Hello, listeners, and welcome to the latest episode of Loss of Lieutenant. Just before we get underway, I wanted to do a quick shout out for the monthly and quarterly challenges that we have currently going. So we have wrapped up uh, September challenge, which was to participate in an organized event. Winner of that was uh, Frank, who did a great submission about his uh, lead up and preparation for Burn City Brawl, uh, which was an amazing write up. You should definitely check it out. We have posted that on our pages. So Frank will be in touch to get a blister out to you. The quarterly challenge for Q3 was to convert something. And we had uh, 11 entries in total, which was an amazing effort. Uh, the We had one random winner for a box, which was uh, Perry Fraser, who uh, did a Scarface conversion, uh, like a repose, which was really cool. Um, because we had some absolutely amazing uh, submissions for the conversion contest, and we are feeling a bit generous at the moment, uh, we've decided to also have a few honourable mentions, who on top of the, the box that's going to go out to Perry, we'll also send out a blister to uh, to three other honourable mentions. So we've, uh, we'll send, be sending those out to Danny Carroll, who put together an Achilles with this amazing flowing cape and like a great big hoplite spear, which looks amazing. Uh, as well as uh, Obadiah Hampton, who turned a helot into a beast hunter with like a, a holding a, a great big harpoon and like a harpoon launcher on slung across its back, which looked really cool as well. And the third third honorable mention is the Alpha team for O12 that was converted by Jordan Breezer. So those three honorable mentions will also all get a blister of their choice. So we'll be in touch with those three entries. Now, as we've moved into a new month and a new quarter, we've got new challenges uh, coming out. So for October, um, they both kind of line up with uh, ITS 14, which is now launched. So the October monthly challenge is going to be to, uh, is Super Jump, uh, which features as part of the zero low gravity or zero gravity rules in ITS 14. So uh, uh, use something that's got super jump and uh, and tell us how it goes. It doesn't necessarily have to be in one of those missions that has those extra rules attached to it, but if it is, more the uh, more more power to you. So uh, super jump for October monthly challenge. Send your entries to loss of the lieutenant at gmail.com in a Google document. Uh, and then the Q4 uh, hobby challenge, uh, which will be for a box of your choice, small box, uh, is going to be paint up a season 14 special. So season 14 has a few extra special free units that you can get. So you've got a, uh, a CSU, a Bashi Bazook, or it's not free, but you get special extra special rules for forward observer remotes. So if you've got any of those waiting on your hobby table, then uh, take a before picture and uh, send us a few after pictures as well uh, throughout the next three months up until the end of the year to go in the draw to win a, a small box of your choice. So that's uh, the Q4 hobby challenge, uh, CSU or a Bashi Bazook or a Ford Observer uh, bot. If you want to do all three, go for it. It'll still only count as one entry, uh, but um uh, but that's that's what we're looking at. So on with the show.
Welcome back, listeners, to the latest episode of Loss of Lieutenant. I'm your host, uh, Nick, and this evening I'm joined by a very special guest and former host, Julian. Oh, those those dulcet tones of uh, Mr. Julian J. Hot Jobby himself. It's lovely to uh, make your acquaintance Jobby. again on the uh, yes. on the cast. How have you been? I've been uh, eight out of eight, mate. Great bait. Great bait. Great bait. Yep. 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 No, doing fine. That is good to hear. Um, yeah. Now, the reason that uh, Julian is able to uh, to grace our airwaves again is because uh, we, as I'm sure many of you know, we had uh, a couple of weeks ago was Burn City Brawl, the big Melbourne tournament that we've all been uh, ramping up to for the past few months. Uh, we had 50 players in attendance and it was an absolutely awesome weekend. Uh, Julian managed to take out first place. So congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So it was a, uh, a fun event. Lots of fun was had. So... I uh, I didn't stay out like most people did on the uh, the Saturday night, and and contrary to popular opinion, it wasn't because I was scurrying off to get a good night's sleep uh, for the next day. I uh, had to head home and uh, put my little man to sleep because he won't sleep unless I put him to sleep. It's well, that's just, that's cute. you know how kids kids are bizarre with that kind of stuff. So yeah, um, yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, it would have liked to have gone out raging, but uh, no, no raging was had. I mean, for for me, because I um, wasn't actually competing for the first time ever. I was um, one of the organisers, so it was a very new experience for me. But to just to be able to go out on the Saturday night with no stress of having to worry about what my game's going to be like the next day, I had a had an absolute mm. blast. So um, mm. it was loads of fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me just bring up the notes here, what we want to talk about. Before we get into, I guess, the nuts and bolts of the weekend and how everything how everything went, we do um, have, we can do a little bit of a, a preamble, I guess, apart from yeah. uh, Burn City Brawl. Got any games in recently? Uh, I ran an intro game last week um, with a gentleman called Michael. So he, um, he thoroughly enjoyed that. So... He's going to be playing Nomads or Ariadne. He hasn't decided yet, so um, we'll we'll see how we go. Another uh, another person who's a medical practitioner, and we all know how that goes with Infinity. When they're medical practitioners, they just win all the events. So we have Callum and Jono who have done that in the past. So I look forward to Michael absolutely spanking us all in the near future. So um, uh, yeah, that, and that that's where did you pretty- where did you run that? Uh, at um, Axes and Ales up in um, Thornbury, so which is a you probably talked about it before, um, which is a bowling club that gets converted into a game club once every uh, yeah every every Wednesday night. Well, it's actually yeah. moving to Tuesday nights very soon. They do well, yeah. um, they have the gaming club that uh, that sets up there, which is awesome. It's it's such an amazing the vibe at Axes and Ales is is unmatched because you've got so many people there playing every single game you could possibly think of. Um, mm. And we generally get like two or three games of infinity going there at, as, at the moment as well, which is great. The booze um, is really good as well. I think I mentioned <laughs> that. Yeah. Genuine 77. No, they, and they've got, they've got a, like a nice little beer selection as well. I, I really like the bowling club there. Mm. Mm. So. Um, yeah. That's, that's pretty much it for me. Cause uh, prior to that was BCB. So. Awesome. Um, yeah. Well, I've done. I've been doing a little bit of hobby. Um, I uh, have 
What did I Nikki do? T. Tobby. Nikki, yeah, yeah, that's right. Nikki, Nikki T. Tobby. Um, Tobby, yeah. I've, uh, well, I have actually been posting on Instagram a little bit. So I have, a, I've been thinking, I've just got like the one Instagram account, which is like my yeah. personal Instagram, but I don't really post any like personal photos on there. So I'm thinking about just changing it to a, um, a what's it called? A hobby account, right? Yeah. Nikki, Nikki T. Tobby. Nikki T. Tobby. Um, yeah. And it doesn't ha- doesn't quite have the same ring as as Julian J. Julian J. Jobby, but but no- nothing will compare to uh, yeah. to, to the Jobby account. Vale, um, vale, Julian J. Jobby, vale, vale, vale. Yeah. No, um, vale. So yeah, what have I been doing? I have been three D printing, which has mm. actually been loads of fun. Um, like I post, I think I spoke about it in the previous recording that we did that I'd finally set it up and got it unboxed my, my any cubic mono, as well as like my wash and cure station and got all the bits and pieces and the chemicals and the gloves. And I got like a big respirator and everything, um, set it all up, finally started doing a few test prints. Um, they failed, did a few calibration prints. They, they, well, they didn't fail, but they, they calibrated, um, to uh to to sort of dial in what i want to be doing and then the main reason i wanted to do some printing is so that i could have some nice bases for the next faction that i'm that i'm putting together so i uh it was on sunday that i finally got my first successful run of prints um i posted some photos on the melbourne infinity group i think i posted them in the discord in the lost lieutenant discord as well so um in the infinity whips section so if you want to have a look jump on there um you can find a link to join the Discord on our Facebook page, or I think we link it in the show notes of every episode as well. So jump and jump in and join the Discord community. Um, just some really cool, like sort of spaceship type um, platform deck. Um, cool bases, and cool. like my main because like I just I'd had so many fails because I wasn't like I first I tried to print them flat on the build plate and they just failed because it would, what it would do, it would start building it as, as like a ring. And then when it got to the first bit that was completely flat, the, the suction would be too much for it to keep lifting up. So I just, the, I'd finish the print like two hours later and I'd check it and there'd just be like these rings attached to the build plate and then shit floating in my vat, um, <laughs> which is not ideal. So then I did it at 45 degree angles, um, but I hadn't put enough supports on. So I ended up with just the next print I did was just like a whole bunch of supports with nothing attached to them. Um, and then finally I was like, fuck this. I'm just going to go ham with supports. I just sat yeah. in the thing and just started clicking and was like, click, 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 putting about an extra 30 supports on every single base that I made. And, um, then it worked. So I'm like, this is amazing. And then I did the same print, run it, ran it again. So now I have 16, 25 mil bases, uh, which is as many as I need. Uh, my next print is going to be some 55 mils and a couple of 40 mils as well. Um, so that I'll have basically all the, all the bases that I need, which I'm super keen for because we've got a, in Melbourne coming up, uh, slow grow, uh, which is, which hasn't happened in a little while. I believe Julian, you might've run the last slow grow with John, like yeah. five years yeah. ago or something. Oh yeah. That maybe was f- maybe for th- yeah. four years, like 20, 2018. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been, it would have been cause it was the last CanCon in the lead up to, to um, one of the CanCons, I think for, and John went to that and he hasn't gone, to, he certainly didn't go to 2019 or 20, 
we didn't have one in 2020. So yeah, it would have at least have been 2018, I reckon. Yeah. So I'm super keen to get involved because we haven't um, had that kind of a slow grow uh, in a while. So the first round's happening, uh, I believe it's the 30th of October. So right at the end of October. And we're going to be doing uh, the four direct action missions, which have uh, been released in ITS 14, um, all four in one day, 90 minute rounds, 150 point games. I've thrown together a, a list for White Company, which doesn't necessarily have to, it's not built to win games. It's just built to try out a few different things and see how it goes. But the main thing is that none of these models that I'm going to be running are currently painted. So that's my project for the next month is to paint at least those seven or eight models. So I've got them ready to go for the, uh, for the slow grow. You're, you're participating in that slow grow. Are you Julian? Yeah, I'm going to try to, um, the only things I got something on the next weekend that's, uh, hobby related. Um, so doing two things, two weeks in a row is a bit of a push. So what faction uh, are you going for? Uh, I'd just run French. If I was doing it, I wouldn't wouldn't bother with trying something new or anything. It's just too. You're not allowed. You're not allowed to run a faction that you have that you've taken to a tournament before. That's the rules. Uh, is is it the actual slogo rules or? Yeah. Because I haven't taken French to a tournament since ever. I took him once in N three. Sorry. And no, it was N two. Wasn't even N three. It was N two. I'm, I'm sure you can. And the last time I ran them was as a Gumby in a tournament for the last slow grow. Mm. So it doesn't count. I'm, I'm saying it doesn't count. Okay. But I might not even. I might not even be able to make the first one. We'll see how I go. Yeah. So I'm. I'm definitely going to be going to the one in two weeks' time though. That that sounds exciting. Oh yeah, we've got another event coming up, which is uh, Kev Infinity. Kev Kevin Infinity. Kev Infinity. Kev Infinity. So I'm not sure. Is it is it Kev Infinity or is it Kevin Infinity? Kev, Kevin. I, I personally, Infinity. I would have preferred it was Kev Infinity. That just sounds so much. I'm. I'm I feel. I was thought the exact same thing. Um, yeah. You missed thought, your chance there, Kev. Kev Kev Infinity. I don't know yeah. why. It just it just sounds better. Um, it rolls off. Like, rolls off the tongue. To, to infinity and beyond. Yeah, so Kev Finity, Kev is coming back to Australia finally after traveling uh, through Europe uh, for the past three months or so, um, just having an absolute blast. And uh, to celebrate, because it's also his birthday that weekend as well, so to celebrate, he's running a tournament. <laughs> um, and uh, it's going to be three rounds uh, on, I've actually brought it up here, it is on Sunday, the 16th of October. Three rounds, uh, Capture and Protect Cryogenetics which is the new ITS 14 mission and quadrant control. So um, 300 points, no extras. Um, quadrant control does have, get you the free uh, CSU um, as, as an extra in that mission. Um, $25 entry and uh, you can find all the details on uh, on Facebook we'll, and we'll also be posting that on our Discord as well. For those who don't have Facebook. Or Discord, isn't it? Say again, sorry. Might already might have already posted it yourself, actually. I uh, I'm sure we already have. Yeah, I'm sure it's yeah. already on the Discord. Um, so that'll be fun. I'm sure I will uh try and make it along to that myself as well. Uh, I have to check the check my calendar, but um hopefully I can make that. Even if I just pop in um right towards the end, that should be cool. Um, so that's what is 
uh, coming up. The other thing we could probably have a quick chat about, uh, which we've kind of touched on tangentially so far, is that ITS 14 has dropped. Mm. Mm. Um, thoughts? I've, I've only had a quick glance. Um, I'm very much a, uh, a hands-on learner. So me, uh, me reading shit just doesn't sink in. So yeah. if I looked at it, I would just be like, oh yeah, it was cool enough to try it. So I, I don't even like whenever they release a new army, I, I don't even look at it until I've seen it across the table played against it. Cause like for me, it doesn't sink in. So um, the, the, the only quick glance I had was that, um, new mission, I've forgotten the name of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. That looks cool. Um, the one with then the scoring looks a bit different, bit interesting. Um, uh, trying to think of what else is new. The, the bashy bazooka and CSU things look interesting. I think, um, I think the real, the real Thing that to take the real takeaway is like all those extra rules that forward observer bots are going to get that yeah um, that's really when cool. i saw that it really blew me away so i'm like i mean i haven't had a deep dive into relist building to try and take advantage of that but um it's like an extra order marksmanship and i think there was a third thing as well um, uh and tactical awareness marksmanship and can't remember if there's anything else but you'd reckon i'm a meta chaser mate because i just picked up before this had dropped Huck Islam. And of course the Rafiq is one of the strongest <laughs> strongest it's contenders for that new um uh new rules. So I, their, I feel like their forward observer bot's got a red fury, doesn't it? Yeah, red fury Goodness. and it's SWC, so it's like it's only twenty points. And in and um I think it's both Rama and QK. No, 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 it's a uh, Huck Islam um it, sorry sorry not Huck Islam. Um has Sassan Baram. You can get two of them. So yeah, it's um, it's gonna be for specialist wise. You probably just take two of them, and that's like set. So, yikes! That's uh, yeah. that's a big yikes right there. Is what yeah. That is. Um, cool. Well, uh, we can probably jump into what we want to be talking about: meat uh, and potatoes, which is gonna be our recap of Burn City Brawl. Mm. So. Um, probably just, if you want to start off, we'll talk through the lists yeah. and, and, and what you brought to the, well, my, to the event and what faction, yeah. first of all, like, talk about the faction you decide, what faction did you take? Why you decided so, to take that faction? There's a, there's a good story behind it. So I'm sure, you know, with BCB for me, I always take a new faction every time BCB comes around. So the first one I ran, um, combined army, and then we had COVID for two years. So nothing happened. And then the last one I ran US Ariadna. And so this time around, I had to find a new army to run and I didn't have a new army to run. So I had all my old Toha that wasn't painted. So 10 weeks beforehand, I decided I was playing Toha. So in 10 weeks, I painted, I think it was about 45 Toha models and played uh, one game at the start with them, one game on TTS and then three games uh, a couple of weeks beforehand because I got some of them done early. So I actually so, didn't play that many games with them. One of the um, one of the questions that we had from come through from one of our, our patrons was yeah. um, how does how did Julian manage to fit in uh, enough practice games uh, being a, being a dad? And the answer sounds like you didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> um, 
What? So I was, I kind of gained the system. So I went straight to a Toha King himself and said, uh, Rob Cantrell, if you were, if you were me and you were going to an event, what list would you run? No, no. Yeah. And I showed him my lists and he showed me his lists and we worked together and put together, uh, two lists for the event that we thought could handle them. Um, I played a game with one of my lists against him, which was the fucking funniest game you've ever seen. I was just getting over probably the flu. I don't know what it was, but it was something nasty. And anyway, um, I hadn't had any problems with my voice up until we were playing this game. And he was playing um, this really funny meme uh Yu Jing list, which was kind of like the anti-Toha list because it had so much structure in it. It had so much chonky boys. Like it was just the anti-Toha list if you ever saw one. And um, I was running one of the lists that I put together before we'd really started mixing ideas together. And um, by the end of turn one, it was very clear that I was getting absolutely smashed. And at that point in time, um, my voice decided to cut out. And so I'm sitting there moving models around and TTS go, my model moves to like, it sounds like I'm dying. I'm dying with my army. And I think poor old Rob, like, he probably thought I was upset, but I just, I could not talk. And then at the end of the game, I think he realized that's just how fucking sick I was. Because oh, no. I can't fucking talk like this. And, I, and so I messaged him, like, mate, I've never had a game of Infinity where someone has beaten me so badly, they stole my voice. <laughs> um and so that was really good because we 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 both together realized there's a lot of shortcomings with what I'd put together, um, and there was a lot of benefits from the list that he had. So um, effectively, but his list really relied heavily on the Sukiel, um, uh Commando, two Sukiel Commando links, um, and then he had a free-floating um, Tequil um, with a, a combi and um, two LT orders. Now, prior to that, with my lists, I'd been running the Tequil with Viral Combi in a link team. So I'd been missing out on those LT orders. And Rob Rob pointed out to me, he's like, no, 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 that's not the way you run the Tequil. You let him free float and you don't actually shoot with him. You just put him up the table because you've got chain of command everywhere in Toha. And um, you just use his orders to move up the table and be an area denial piece um, or if he gets a, a really nice run on just start end gaming and which I'll explain because um, most people don't know what Faroware is um, so we sort of worked out a list that was sort of I would say 60% his 40% mine so um, I really like the Nicole. Um I've not had a game where it hasn't performed um, so that was a piece I included which I'll go into further in in um my list discussion. Um, and then there was a couple of other smaller things that I had included um, that he hadn't even included. The major one that really stuck out to me was so- um, Rob's sort of, um, I guess, reliance on uh, on Sukiels. So I didn't take as many as he had. I only took the Sukiel HMG, um, which is kind of the go-to pick for most Toha players or the Sukiel Missile Launcher. And he's like, no, 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 that's not the play, mate. You need to go the Sukiel K1 Sniper. And I'll admit, when I saw it and he, what he was putting towards, I was like, no, 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 surely this this piece can't be that good. Um, and I think that was very much N2 K1 mindset. Um, yeah, no, it's it's like hands down won me 
probably most of my games. Really? It was just, yeah. Oh, so the, oh, you K1, were, K1 reduces your opponent's armor to zero, right? Yeah, and it's damage 13. So regardless of if they... So if they have cover, the best dice roll they can get is a 50-50. If they don't, it's effectively, you know, a, a spitfire or, 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 you know, they have to roll 14 to live. So it's like... It's an amazing piece, um, which you'll find out in a few of my games where it just won me the games from the first turn because of what it deleted. Um, so, um, yeah, so the, this list has two brains behind it. <laughs> um, so, which I know Rob won't want to take credit for because I know the way he is the way he is, but he, he had a lot of input. Yeah. In... I mean, well, no, let's be honest. Let's call a spade a spade. You've taken a net list is what you've done. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> A, a private, a private netlist. Thank private, you very much. Private netlist, and it's not, a, it's, not a, it's it's an anti-private netlist. That's what we'll call it because the pieces that we that he put forwards to me were not pieces that I was seeing in the Toha list that you'd see around. And I genuinely think the re, it, it 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 was such an anti-list in what it took that people just weren't prepared for it. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it was, it was an anti list. Yeah, definitely. That's really so, interesting. Um, yeah, really interesting take. Yeah. Mm. So, um, in terms of the 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 games in the lead up, um, so after I had my games with Rob, um, and I had a practice game prior with Tristan, I didn't really have many games playing Toha. Um, I didn't really have many games at all because I was just painting like a madman. Um, and then I had a few games in the lead up and I didn't really change my list. I just ran the same two lists that Rob and I worked on. So the way I think we both viewed the list structure, um, from the missions was that you could, if you wanted to run one list, particularly with Toha for all four missions and do it quite five. like there's competently. Five, there's five missions. Five missions, sorry. Five missions, do them quite competently. Um, but the mission that stuck out to me, the, or the two really, um, that you could, you want to tailor a list for, um, would be frontline and, and firefight. But my view on list building is that I don't want to take two lists that are really different from each other yep. because it, it reduces the mental stress of playing a game when you're there. Um, so, and I also... I used to be with particular firefight with the school of thought was, is that you just drop specialists and just deny them getting those specialist kill points. But I think with the inclusion of some classifieds in there, I think from memory, um, it's worthwhile taking specialists now. Um, well, particularly I, yeah, it's, got like, it's got three or four classifieds in it. Yeah. 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 Particularly with Toha because their specialists are just so obnoxiously good. Like their specialists are auto include assault pieces. So, um, yeah, I, I frontline for me, I felt I could run and put in the, the category of the other three lists. So I, what I ended up finding on the day of the event and sort of thinking in the lead up was that the first four missions, I would run the same list. Mm -hmm. And then on the final mission frontline, I changed and tweaked the list that Rob and I had worked on so that I had a little bit more baggage. And I had some peripherals in there, or really only one, but a really strong peripheral piece in there 
So I could, if I had to go second in frontline, which I kind of wanted to because of the way the mission scores, yep. I could go second and I could just have a peripheral um, or peripherals dying instead of um, actual models, which is pretty much what happened in my first turn. Um, so yeah, that was the sort of the list building um, your, mindset. Your, your, your approach it. that you took. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So yeah. the two lists, I'll go through the the one that I ran for the first four missions first. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll really explain these because um, I know people, they read Tohar and they go, what language is this? Um, so um, both of these lists have this particular piece. And I think if you're playing Tohar and you don't include him, um, it's probably a mistake because it's such an amazing um, first turn um, attack piece. And that's Janstar. Um so for those of you who don't know Jan, what Jan Star is, is um, he's kind of like a, he, he's an impersonator. Um, so, but uh, only impersonation um, level two. Yep. But it's an impersonator with two wounds. Um, and it's an impersonator that is very, very good in close combat and also extremely good at shooting. So you can deal with most targets as they come. Um, the other benefit of Janstar is that you can put mates and bombs on him um, because he's got symbion armor. So what you'll find a lot of Toha players doing, and it's sort of the standard Toha trick, is they'll put a mate and a bomb on Janstar. So if they're going first, they'll reserve a Kaeltar, which has a mate and a bomb, yep. and they'll reserve Janstar. So... What mates and bombs do is a mate makes for the first saves you have to make. So the first rolls, so to speak, it's not just one. It's in the first order. Let's say you get hit three times. The mate expends and it's on all three of those, those hits. You become armor nine, BTS nine, total immunity. So it's a real um, get out of jail free card for Jan. So one of the problems that you'll find with a lot of those sort of first turn single wound assault pieces is they just don't have durability. Whereas Jan having two wounds and a mate means that you can take fights and potentially just drop a shotgun on a single wound piece and go, oh, well, my mate will suck it up and I'll just keep on going on my merry way. What bombs do is they, you can, there's, I think from memory, there's three different ways you can use a bomb. There's end game, which is burst two, um, I think damage 13 or 14 AP and you do a wound for every successful hit. Mm -hmm. It's on willpower. So it's like hacking, but instead of targeting structure, you have to target wounds. So you can't do it against models with structure. Um, and instead of isolating or immobilizing, you actually do wounds. Right. Um, the other way is what's called end game, which is basically a jammer. Um, so um, you isolate a targeted model and it's I believe again damage 13 and it's double double action um burst two so it's quite effective at dealing with high wound high value targets because you're putting out um double action isolate ammo so if you want to you know get an effective use on a bomb on someone using it on someone like a heavy infantry piece I've even used it successfully on um Hector um to isolate him it's a really amazing way of Jan delivering that because he starts at deployment. Right. The final right. way, which I got most use out of in the tournament is it allows you to put down an eclipse zone within zone of control outside of line of, um, 
uh, outside of line of fire of yourself or within line of fire if you want to. So you can get these really gnarly situations where someone thinks they've protected themselves and they go, there's no way you can come around this corner and de- like get into close combat with me. And Jan can just walk up to the corner and go, cool, I'm putting an eclipse grenade on you outside a line of fire and there's nothing you can do apart from try and dodge out of it. So it just allows him to walk in and do whatever he has to do. So he's a very, very effective um, first turn assault piece. In terms of his ranged um, ability, he's got a viral pistol and that viral pistol's also plus one burst. So you're putting out burst three um, minimum BS-12, often BS-15 if you get them out of cover, um, viral pistols. So anything that doesn't have BTS-6 or more, you just shred them just really quickly. If you want to guarantee killing like a strong single wound ARO piece like a Zayden, for example, then you can literally just drop double um, shotguns on them and, you know, because you've also got a light shotgun and deal with them that way. So... Jan has a lot of um, a lot of utility. There's a lot of angles of attack, and that's why that's probably the major netlist thing is that Jan stars included because sure. every every Toha list um, has him. He's close combat twenty as well, and with a a, a burst um, two or plus one burst viral pistol, it means you're plus oh, one. Of course, the, the pistol using the pistol in close combat. Yeah, yeah. So. And not only that, close combat 20 with surprise, that's if you do manage to get re-impersonate, which often you don't because you can't have mates and bombs on you if you're impersonated. Oh, okay, sure. Um, but but generally what I found is by the time you're close combating, you've already used your mate or your bombs, so you've re-impersonated. Um, so you get surprise attack neg three and close combat attack neg three. He just has a straight built-in close combat attack neg three. So you're on, you'll be on a 20. I mean, unless you're against someone with martial arts, you'll be on a 20 and your opponent's going to yeah. be at maybe a neg, three, neg, neg, neg six or neg, neg yeah. three, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So in ARO, um, apart from being all right at shooting and having a light shotgun, um, he's an amazing just ablative piece because he has dodge plus three. So he dodges on a 15. Um, oh, no, 14. 14. Yeah. Um, dodges on a 14. Um, I think they've changed that because it was definitely 12 when I was rolling. So maybe I've cheated, <laughs> but I was definitely rolling for 12s that day. Um, so yeah. Um, but you know, still dodging on 14s is like pretty amazing. Um, cause you can just sit there and dodge if they manage to get you outside of eight inches, um, for both your shotgun and your, um, your, your viral pistols. Um, so yeah, that's, um, that's pretty much, pretty much that for Jan Star. Um, so that was uh, he, he made both of my lists. Um, so then we've got a Nicole, which I I kind of put um, into a new category of ARO pieces that I've sort of come up with, um, and it's what I call the the Plinker ARO piece. Um, so Plinker's a shooting term for basically just sitting at a target and just shooting. You're not really thinking, you're just sitting and shooting. Um, and then the cool with a mate on it, that's just what they do. They just sit there and shoot in ARO, and if they hit, they hit. Um, and the reason behind that is I, I was putting a mate on him. Um, he's got Sapper, which means that he can deploy pretty much anywhere where his base will fit because he gets cover and mimetism. 
So right. sappers are really strong ARO ability because you can put them in places people won't expect on rooftops. Um, not only that, he's got MSV level one and a viral sniper rifle. So when you're shooting with an Akul on 12s and your opponent is then thinking about the fact that if the Nicole hits an ARO, I might lose this single wound that, piece. Or that's right. The, the, the damage potential you can cause with a viral weapon, yeah. it, it really yeah. plays in your opponent's head because, yeah, because yeah, your things, if they're one wound models, they are, they are going to die. Yeah. And then you factor in the fact that it's got a mate on top of that as well. So they're like, great. Even if I win the first face-to-face -face role, they're probably just going to tank the saves and then I've got to do it again. And then not only that, he's got two wounds. So he's probably going to take a bare minimum of three orders to try and deal with. Um, so that's why I really rated the Nicole, Um, because in certain missions, except for Firefight, basically the other four missions, the Nicole could just sit there and really slow down my opponent's first turn. Um, the reason why I say in Firefight, it's probably not as good is because of the amount firefight scored by how much points you your opponent kills losing a 30 point model in the first turn does put you back a fair way um so if i was to play which i didn't i can't even remember we'll have to think when we get to it um if i was to go second in firefight i wouldn't put the nicole up as an aro piece because i wouldn't want to lose it i would just trust in the fact that i've got heavy flamers and stuff like that coming out of all directions um so yeah, that's um that's pretty much. I think I actually did go second, but the table. You'll see why when we did the table. Why I went. Why I was happy to put the Nicole out, and with my opponent as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's the Nicole, the Sukiel K1 Ford Observer. That's Rob's inclusion. So we've got two separate link teams, both led by a Sukiel K1 Ford Observer. So the reason why um. I included the Sukiel K1 Ford Observer is, um, as Rob explained, it's a two wound K1 combi rifle with mimetism Ford Observer. It's a veteran troop and it has the veteran skill. So in terms of doing classifieds, in terms of dealing with armor and in terms of just being an all around really, really efficient gunfighter, the Sukiel just ticks all those boxes. Um, so that's why Rob's like, look, you really need to include it. On top of having a K1 combi, it's also got D charges and a deployable repeater. Not that it's really a big deal with Toha because you don't have hackers, but the D charges are quite big. Um, so the Sukiu can do a heap of missions and also be a really effective um, gunfighter. So that's why there's two link teams led by Sukiu in this list. Mm -hmm. To round out the first Sukiu link team, and this is what I called my attack Sukiu link team. So this was the first link team to go do at any one point in time, specialist base missions or to go on a, a, an attack run if they had to. Um, and the reason with that was because I had two McCalls in this link team. So um, again, if you're not familiar with McCalls, McCalls, um, they can join because Toha can make link teams, three man link teams pretty much out of everything. Yep. Um, so they're a really, really crazy good close combat piece um and they're an amazing um uh shooting piece up close because they've got a burst two heavy flamethrower on a link team mm -hmm. so 
in ARO, they're amazing at protecting your link teams um, because you often, you know, if, you, if you're proficient in the way you, you finish your turn or you deploy, you set it up. So if your opponent wants to get a run on your Sukiel, they've got to go through a cool. Now, um, you're not going to beat them a cool in close combat very rarely um, because they are close combat 23 with martial arts level two and close combat attack minus three. In that, next, and in that CC attack neck three again, yeah. 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 Um, so with martial arts and CC attack neck three, you're looking at neg six. Even if you're a natural born warrior piece, um, you're still going to be you taking still your neck You still cop that neck three because yeah. it's not a martial yeah. arts skill. That's interesting. Yeah. So even even a piece like um, Ajax looks at him a cool and goes, yeah, I don't really want to deal with that because if I roll poorly and they roll well, um, I'm kind of stuffed. Um, so the other thing as well is you have a choice for a 13-point model to have either... Um, apparently they have contenders as well, which I didn't even realize. That's what it says here. Um, yeah, there you go. Me playing B at uh, Fizz 12 and then not using my contenders. That would have been huge. I That's actually interesting. Um, yeah, there's a few things I would have done with that if I hadn't known that. Wow, okay. Um, yeah, so they've got a heavy flamethrower contender and eclipse grenades. So the eclipse grenades is a really big one because it allows you to run up the table and put out eclipse smoke, which nothing can see through. So you can pick your firefights on your terms. So having a Sukiel with a K1 combi might sound really bad because of K1 combi range bands, but when you factor in that a McCool, it throws smoke on demand because it's throwing it on burst two on a 16, you can be up the table in two or three orders in an eight order group, shooting at a tag in your good range. So those two McCools in that link team give that, that link so many legs. Um, the second link team is again headed by a Sukiel Ford Observer. Then there's a Kaeltar and another McCool. So the Kaeltar are um, basically what we were talking about earlier um, uh, that have bombs and um, mates. So um, in the context of Toha, you get two of them or AVA2 and you'll see two in every list just because having a mate and a bomb is huge. Um, it gives so much flexibility to your army so much staying power, as I said, in the context of a mine layer. Oh, I forgot that a cool viral sniper also has mine layer. <laughs> so it also has shock mines. Handy. <laughs> yeah, it costs, get this right, costs the same amount of points, roughly. I think it's two points more expensive as a Zawaf sniper rifle. It gets MSV1, a viral sniper, and an extra wound and mine layer on top of the Zawaf. Like it's just, it's just, it's just the scoring doesn't make sense. Anyway, back to the Kaltar. So, the Kaltar themselves are pretty average. Um, so one profile you get access to has Chain of Command, which, in the context of Toha, is really good because you run really aggressive uh, link teams. Um, in this list, and I believe the other list, I have to check it once we get to it. I ran, I think actually no, I'm fairly certain that list has it. I ran one Kaltar with Chain of Command. And one without, because the one without is significantly cheaper. Um, the one with um, Ford, um, with Chain of Command is 21 points, and the one without is 15 points. Just um, what I'm just looking at the profile here as well. There's actually a Chain of yeah. Command that's 28 points. and With two mates. With two mates, yeah. So yeah. The, the, that's, I guess they reckon a mate is worth seven points, I suppose. 
Yeah, it's also the other issue with it is it's um it costs SWC. I'm fairly certain they both um, they yeah, both cost point five. They both cost SWC. So to run Toha is an incredibly heavy SWC faction. Right. Um. So to run those two and having one SWC put into that is is probably more of the expense than the actual points. So that's why another reason why I didn't run um another chain of command um. So then that link had another McCool. Um, in this list, because I planned on using it in Mind Wipe, all of the McCools have DA close combat weapons. Sure. So ordinarily I would run the viral one, but because viral is an anti-material, I ran the DA. Yeah, you got so much DA CC close combat weapon. CC, yeah, so many DA yeah. CC weapons, as well as, as well as all those D charges as well. D charges. Yeah, um, because Toha, you know, um, are a vanilla faction, they also get access to the Liberto. So I've got a Liberto mine layer in here. Um, the way I use the Liberto is, is two ways. So if I'm going second, um, I will tr basically reserve him um, if I'm against a player that has impersonation. So I'll reserve him to body block um, with the mine and himself. Um, against an impersonation marker because most of the time an impersonation marker is deployed up against the wall, which makes the impersonation marker very sad because then they have to copper mind and a shotgun to even do anything. So that's one way. The other way I use it is a, is a really aggressive, um, which in game uh, four um, against Jacob, a really aggressive cheat um, attack piece. So yeah. as your opponent, you, can, you really can get so much done with the Liberto is yeah. for eight, eight yeah. points. Sure. There's one SWC yeah. there, but yeah. um, still it's so cheap for what he can. Light shotguns. Yeah. Light shotguns in the midfield are amazing because if your opponent moves up to do anything, being able to just spend, you know, four or five orders, killing whatever they have with a light shotguns. Amazing. Yeah. And when um, it, when it goes down, you haven't even lost an order because it's, yeah. it's irregular anyway. So it's irregular. Yeah. Yeah. And the mine as well is another thing that can obstruct the, the middle field. So if I'm going first, I'll put the mine on a position. I know the enemy's going to move down where, you know, it's either a, where an objective is going to be, or it's a really obvious um, thoroughfare that they're going to have to move down. So the next piece in this list is a diplomatic delegate. So we're, diplomatic in, we're, we're into group two now as well. So everything two. up to this yeah. point has been group yeah. one and yeah. you've got... So that's group one. So group one, I'll just re-go through it again, was Janstar. Oh, sorry, just to mention man. as well, there's, you've got nine bodies in group one. Uh, yes, nine bodies. Yeah. So Janstar, Nicole, Sukiel, Ford Observer, McCool, McCool, Sukiel, Ford Observer, Kaltar, McCool, Liberto. Um, and then in group two, we've got six. So um, the first piece in there, which is, again, probably an auto include an all Toha list just for how amazing they are, is the diplomatic delegate. So they're just, for their points, they're just, they're just crazy good. Um, um, but Toha probably needs a piece like this because they don't have, outside of the Sukiel, their specials are kind of average. Um, so they've got... Um, they're, they're basically Toha's answer to a Warcore because I'm fairly certain we don't get a Warcore in Toha. I can't, can't bother checking, but I never, I wouldn't run a Warcore when you've got the diplomatic delegate on show. So, um, the stats on paper seem very average, close combat 12, BS 10, Fizz 10, Willpower 13. But what it gets is it gets for five points, it gets CC attack minus three, which 
isn't bad. It gets a nano pulsar, a flash pulse, Ferroware tactics eraser. So it's isolating you if you get close and you don't have stealth. Um, and it's a specialist operative. So it's literally a five point Ghazi, but better. Right. <laughs> so it's imagine old Ghazis. That's what the diplomatic delegate does. But it's also a specialist. Yeah. And they're just, then you don't have the issue of um, impetuous either. So just an amazing, amazing piece. Yeah. I mean, um, he's, he's not going to take a hit, but. No. Um, but you know, if it's you're an interesting if, toolbox, it's an interesting toolbox that he's got. Yeah, and so there's two again, two ways I used it. Um, the first one was if I went first, I just used it as my specialist to go push the button first turn. Um, because that pool actually has a lot of orders in it, even though it's only six models. Um, so, uh, yeah, so with Eraser, I would literally go up, push a button, do whatever I had to do, and just park it there as a come through this zone and you're going to be isolated. Um, or if you come around a corner, you're going to cop a nano pulsar. So a really, really good, um, defensive piece and similar in, 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 if I went second, I would just put them in a point where I knew if my opponent wanted to go on attack run on a particular link team, that if they didn't have stealth, they were just going to be getting isolated, um, provided they had wounds. Um, cause obviously Faraway doesn't work against structure. So that's the diplomatic delegate. Then we had the tequila which is my LT and he gets an extra LT order. So this is the, the Rob Cantrell inclusion here. So the Tequil is another piece, which is just really strong due to Ferroware. So his willpower 14, so he's a pretty good LT off the bat. He's arm three and two wounds, um, and he has regeneration. So he can get back up if you don't put him down. Um, he is BS 13, but with a combi rifle, it's kind of a, a moot point. So you're not, you're not really using it. Um, and, and BTS six. So uh, stats wise, he's pretty good all around. The main thing that he gets, which makes him really strong is he gets a racer. So with two LT orders, he's moving. If you're move moving, which, you know, generally you can find a path on the table where he can do that first turn. He starts at 12, he moves up 16. You're projecting effectively a 30, I think I calculated it, it was like a 30 something inch um, threat range. Sorry, he sorry, um, he doesn't have a race. He's got end game and oh, mirror I'm ball. Sorry. Yeah, end game and mirror ball. So with end game and mirror ball, um, he's able to move himself up the table. Um, so end game is the one where you do wounds. So if you're starting at the 12 inch line and then moving effectively um, 16 inches, because he's only 4 4 movement, you've got basically a 28 inch movement that you can get advantage from, from deployment plus two oars. And then he projects eight inches. So if your opponent doesn't put out AROs to stop that, he's end gaming you with effectively two or three orders first turn in your DZ. Um, which is just like disgustingly good. Now I didn't have it happen in any of my games because your opponent sees you put down the tequila and he's generally never your reserve because as I said, Jan star and a, and a cow tires, um, he, people just put arrows out because they don't want that to happen. So what ends up happening is he just ends up sitting in the middle of the table generally on a, again, a point where your opponent has to move through or a thorough affair. Um, 
or an objective, just sitting there going, move into here and you're going to lose wounds and there's nothing you can do about it apart from reset. Yeah, it's like so, it's like he's he's got the advantages of, of hacking without the negative, without the drawbacks right. of like being vulnerable yeah, to kill hackers hackable. or something like that. Yeah. Yep. 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 And like whoop-de-doo, it doesn't work against structure. You know, you just put him up on a, on a, on a building where a tag can't get to. Like, yeah, it's just, it, it's just really good. Look, and, and it's really good in the hands of someone that knows what they're doing. If, if you, if you haven't played any games or you don't understand Toha and you try it, you won't get effective use out of it. But if you know how to use it and you can read a table really well, it's, it, it becomes obnoxious. Um, so then to finish off this list, we had a link team of a Sukiyo K1 sniper, which we went through before, but obviously K1 sniper, you know, it's a burst three in this triad um, and you're removing armor. So if you leave a tag out on ARO to try and stop this push from the Toha, it's going to stand up and just obliterate pretty much any tag in the game, except for probably an avatar. But yeah, because you can deal with you're not, um, you're not, you don't have anything against those vision mods, but no, any no. other armor piece, it's, it's no longer an armor piece. Sort of. Yeah, exactly right. And, and again, something like an avatar, there's so many other pieces in this list that can deal with the avatar more effectively. So um, it's pretty much the only piece that I was really worried about with this list was facing something like an avatar. Um, if it was just a normal high vis mod piece with didn't have more than one wound, then I just put the Nicole up to the task because he can quite happily deal with it. So, um, and of course gets mimetism because it's a Sukiel. So you're putting an egg three on your opponent, your BS 13. Um, so, and you've got two wounds, so you can survive getting hit. Um, then to round that out, a Kaeltar chain of command. So same as before with the other Kaeltar, so a light shotgun, flash pulse, symbiote bomb and mate, um, but you get the added benefit of chain of command. So that allows my um, to kill to really push up the table and not be too worried about going down. Um, and then a McCool, again, DA close combat weapon to round out that link. And the last thing in there is a Chaxa um, Auxilia, which is basically Toha's version of a baggage bot and a flash pulse bot combined, except you don't get flash pulse. Um, you get a heavy flamethrower with plus one damage <laughs> and you get sensor and baggage and your close combat 19 with plus one damage. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Interesting. They're really as, as a defensive piece, they're amazing in games where you have to score zones. They're even more amazing because it's 30 points in a zone that you have to face tank a heavy flamer to get through. Yep. So it's, and especially with damage 16 against even tags, we'll look at that and go, yeah, even one of Jodem needs sevens to pass that. I really don't want to deal with that because <laughs> if I keep on rolling twos and threes, I lose a Jodem for a 10 point baggage bot. It's yep. not, it's not ideal. Um, and having sensor as well means that if you're getting an infiltrating camo piece, like Shinobu, for example, starting up the table, it's a bit of a worry. Um, so they're quite good. Um, the other list, the bones of it are very similar. Um, the major difference is, as I said, I've got a, a little bit more of a peripheral presence in there um, and I've got more baggage bots or baggage in there to to give me more scoring for frontline, which um, I can't remember in our game. I know, I think Dennis, he either killed one or, or both of the, the chaks, or I can't remember. Um, 
No, I think he only killed one. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but same same sort of bones. You've got Jan Star. You've got the Nicole Mine layer with Viral Sniper. You've got the same attack Suki or Link team. So a Suki or Ford Observer um, with Kaon Combi, a double McCool, a double McCool. Then in, in this particular group, I've changed out the extra Suki or Kaotar McCooling team for a Razael um, Viral Combi Heavy Flamer team. So what they are is it's is it's basically a Razael, which is um, a, a decent enough gunfighter, um, not overly amazing, but not not terrible. But what he is is a BS twelve gunfighter um, with a viral combi rifle that has a nano screen and is also three wounds. So he's incredibly tanky, and which I felt was good for frontline. Um, but the major piece that he brings is he basically brings a Chaxa baggage bot, like what we mentioned before, yep. um, except instead of having um, a plus one damage flamethrower, he just gets a normal flamethrower. And instead of getting a plus one, um, uh, sorry, instead of getting sensor, he gets mimetism. So as an attack piece goes, they're amazing because you can do the age old. They both come out and shoot you. What do you do? Well, if you dodge, you get shot by the Razael unopposed. If you shoot the Razael, you get flamed. So a really solid um, attack piece there. Um, so yeah, that's um, that's them. So that was the major difference. The other group is pretty similar. Um, the only difference is that both Kaltars are in that group now because of the changes to the first group. Mm -hmm. So it goes McCool to Keel um, with plus one order. So that McCool was free floating. So my plan for him was to throw out smoke with impetuous so I could advance in front line, um, which he kind of really didn't do um, in the game. But anyway, um, the same to call with combi rifle, Suki or Kalen sniper, Kaltar chain of command, Kaltar normal without chain of command, and then a diplomatic delegate. So um, the bones of the list were very similar with just yeah. a few changes. So it meant that I actually hadn't run this list in the lead up to the event but it meant that coming into game five, I knew I could fall back on it because fundamentally my second group was basically the same. And my first group, most of it was the same in terms of that my attack link team was the same. Um, I had the Liberto and I had Jan and then a cool. Um, yeah. The only difference is that I, if I had to use the Razal, I could. So. Yeah. One, one of the questions I wanted to um, pose to you is looking at these lists. I know we did talk about like the avatar and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. But one of the patrons has asked if um, you could hear your thoughts on how you think you'd use the, I mean, cause really we're looking at one list, right? And the other one's slight yeah, modification, yeah. but looking at the main, the main list, how are you defending against like alpha strike tag pieces? So with this list, there's so many templates um, and there's so many, um, uh, I guess, pieces that are so amazing up close. So it's a good question. I'm glad you brought it up because I forgot to mention it, but it's a huge it's a huge thing in the context of this list. So having the Nicole with mirror ball and having the bombs meant that if a tag tried to move in on my really important pieces, like the both of the Suki or K1 link teams, having mirror ball meant that if they got within zone of control, I just dropped an eclipse grenade and they couldn't engage me. So 
they moved all the way up the table, spent all these orders to try and get some juicy kills, and you just drop an eclipse grenade outside a line of fire. Can't do shit. So that was so the main one. What way. does Mirable allows you to do that? Is that what Mirable yes. is? Yep, it's just zone of control. It's like oh. a it's like a hacking. Yeah. yeah. So you so, can just so you're, you're not you're not really um, preventing that attack, but you're once it you they burn their orders, they get into an attack yeah. position, and, and then, then all of a sudden, all of a yeah. sudden, they've got no targets because they can't see yeah. what yeah. they were wanting yeah. to shoot at. That's really interesting. Yeah. The other thing as well, um, which was a massive point in my final game against Dennis was that if there was a lot of elevation on the table and a tag couldn't get to it, I just deployed up on the elevation. And then I'm I'm playing my game now. Yep. So they have to try and get to me and I can sit back and plink at them and do whatever I need to, um, which most tables have access to that sort of stuff these days. Um, so deploying on higher elevated positions was it was a big part of that plan. Um, having mirror ball was a big plan. The other part was having um, pieces like the McCool. So making certain the McCool was always going to be the first model to be engaged upon and in a way that a tag couldn't come to a corner with its full order, for example, and see the whole link team, it would only see the McCool because then what the McCool could do is it could throw eclipse grenades as well and cover the link up. Yep. So... It was just about making, not trying to kill them in reaction, but just slowing them down so that I could kill them in my active. Yeah. I mean, um, is the McCool, are you going to dodge into close combat potentially with, with something? I mean, it is pretty good in close combat, so. No, no, I just put there, or you're just more just dropping the grenades yeah. just to. Yeah, because two, two on 16, it pretty much guarantees that you're going to, like, it's a fairly good chance you're going to beat them. Um, so. And even if they don't, a lot of the times they only get one hit. You've probably got cover. You might tank it, even if you don't. Yeah, it's that was sort of my major three ways. The other way was just putting out the Nicole and just plinking and making them spend orders trying to deal with the Nicole because yeah. because of Sapper, you can get to positions where they just can't engage you within 32. So... They're going neg three for cover, neg three for mimetism, neg three for range. So all of a sudden they're at neg nine. So that was the way I was looking at it and I was going to approach it was it was just about stalling them. I didn't want to try and kill them. I didn't want to try and... I just wanted to make them not kill my shit, basically. Right. Just uh, have, uh, deploy in a way and, and use use you, what you have available to you yeah. to yeah. Um, to force them to run out of gas before yeah. they can do the damage that they that they want to achieve yeah. sort of thing. And then and then conversely, um, it didn't so much happen at BCB because I only faced one tag, um, which is in the final game. But in the lead up, I, I played a few games where it was the case where in your active, if they deploy their tag back after they've tried that run in a really safe position, just leave it. Like, don't, don't even worry about it because often when people are spending that much points on tags, the rest of their list is really deficient um, in dealing with a piece like Jan Star. So you just put Jan Star in a position where she, so he can go and on a massive run when it turns over to your first turn and you just delete their order pool. So all of a sudden they've got, they're then, they're then in a position where if they do move up to, try and in the second turn to try and kill your pieces they've moved up and have no orders to get back 
or they're just permanently stuck there because they're worried about pushing forwards and coming into K1 range. So that was the way I looked at it. Awesome. Um, well, we've gone for about an hour so far. I think we might have a we'll little my... break and then yeah. um, we can come back and have a chat about how your games went. Done. Okay, and we're back um, after a short break. We are going to talk about the five rounds and how all the games went and that sort of thing. Um, I just wanted to pose a couple of extra questions when it comes to the lists because um, it kind of does go a little bit counter to how a lot of people build lists and, and what we look yep. at. So the two main things, um, two main points that you probably will draw uh listeners when you are looking at the types of weapon selections that we've got is that there's nothing in here that's got like a hmg type range band for for one and and there's nothing in there that as a weapon has a native burst above burst three right everything sort of burst two or three sure they get bumped up by being in your your triad you, you, with your three-man link bonus up to burst four potentially but there's nothing in there that is a traditionally high burst weapon yeah so did you want to talk to that a little bit julian yeah it's interesting because the the one the list that rob sent me um his sort of list he um he had a burst five weaponry in the form of a um a sacule um with spitfire so he he did that but I, I found with my games that i just wasn't needing it um and to be honest i found the chance star just basically filled that role because because he starts so far up forward, he just becomes that alpha strike piece that deals with those ARO pieces. Because you're starting on the DZ, you, you can start in cover around a corner, ready within eight to deal with a, a an ARO piece with your viral pistols or your, your light shotgun. So, and realistically, that's what most people run those burst four or burst five pieces is, is to deal with those hard ARO pieces. That's right. To throw, to throw as many dice at them as you can, yeah. right? Weight of yeah. dice sort of thing. Yeah. But if you're using these specific surgical sort of scalpel type pieces yeah. that can do that yeah. in a different way and still achieve the same yeah. outcome. Yeah. And the only thing that Jan Star struggles with is dealing with high armor because generally when you're looking at... um. You know, uh, something like a, a tag, they've got really good BTS, so viral pistols aren't good, or they've got really good high armor, so a light shotgun's not good. Um, so that was where the Sukiyo came into play. So, um, and that was where, that was coming back to why I would have thought the Avatar I would have dealt, dealt with the hardest was because all of a sudden you've got armor and um, biz mods to deal with, so, um, which the Sukiyo would struggle with. So, um, and then when it comes to dealing with those high arm pieces, normally like a tag, well, they can't go on a link team. Um, and if it's a, you know, the next sort of next highest arm piece that would be able to go on a link team is something like a Knight of um, of Justice, which Jan Stark can deal with um, quite easily. So um, yeah, that was the main reason why was if it was really high arm, well, the Sukiyo just dealt with them and they don't have link team bonuses. So you're not so worried about only being burst three. But if they were, a, you know, a missile launcher and a link, for example, Jan Star just dealt with them so efficiently. Uh, that's 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 totally reasonable. Um, so I think we can jump into a bit of a more specific recap for the rounds. Um, yep. So we've got day one. We had. Uh, sorry, let me bring that actual missions up so that I can jog my memory. Um, 
round one was unmasking. Yes. And I've actually saved the photos. So I don't know if you've still got them up, but I can um, give you a, a, a pretty quick description of what happened. So put it on um, the, um, if, are you able to send the photo to the discord or to me on Facebook messenger? And I can put it on I'll the just... screen for the YouTube as well. I will send it to you now for the YouTubes. They are screen caps, so hopefully there's nothing incriminating on there. Goodness gracious. <laughs> um, I think it's just the only thing might be at low battery. Um, but um, yeah, so the first round was against Mark um, from uh, South Australia. So Sorry, that's um, that's the, um, the green table, is it? That's the green table with the... No, that's the boat table. So Peter Henry's um, oh, boat gotcha, table. Gotcha, gotcha. So if you're looking at this, this was facing horizontally down the table. So um, uh, Mark was deployed on the left-hand side of this table and I was deployed on the right-hand side. So we did roll-offs. Um, I went first. Now I'm going to probably struggle with details because it's been a while now. That's all right. Did, did, you, did you choose to go first or did you? I used to go first. Yep. So... With the exception of Frontline, in all of the missions, I was just, if I won the role, just bang, snap decision first. Um, that was just because this list is so... It's, 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 it's got, a, it's got yeah. nasty alpha strikes. And the fact yeah. that, like, the 9-6 split, um, which mm. I'm a big fan of as well, when in the small group, you've got the LT with the plus one order. So even if, yeah. they, if they strip two orders from the big pool, you've still got eight in the second pool if they strip two yep. orders from the second pool then you've got a full first pool so it's um it's a and and not only that you've got the added risk with toha and i warned even though i didn't have it i still wanted to warn people just in case they weren't aware was that any one of these models any one of them could have had counterintelligence and it's right. only 16 so I personally wouldn't feel comfortable if I'm playing a newer player, playing Toha being like, because I often run that piece. I was running that piece up until pretty much this list was put together. Um, and I would probably run it, uh, which is the, I think it's the Krigel. I would probably run it in a different mission selection because it's really, really solid piece. Um, so yeah, I would warn people and say, now before you spend the orders, keep in mind Toha does have access to chain of um, counterintelligence. Counter yeah. In every every game, my opponent still nerfed my pool. So, that well, but care. it's it's the sort of thing, right? Mm. Where, um, sure you say it because you're a nice guy, but also someone if they have taken counterintelligence, I yes. don't think they would actually tell you that. Oh, just so you remember, yeah. my faction has yeah. access to counterintelligence. Yeah, um, so we we played. I think one of my first games I played was against Tristan, and I was running a Krigel. Um, I think it's the Krigel. It's either the Krigel or the Targma. One of the two. No, it's a Targma. It's a Targma. Targma schema. Yeah. The same one that gets the viral, the viral sniper, um, MSV two viral sniper. Um, and yeah, I, I was playing a practice game with him, and I warned him, and I did have it, and he nerfed, and he was like, "Oh, thirty one." So he, he was he was like, "Oh, I got played," but um, yeah, it's um. Oh, my battery's running low. Sorry, mate. I'm just going to have to put my charger in while it's not working. That's right. That would be why. I think that's fixed it. Yep. Power, power point wasn't on. Um, so, yeah, um, I'm deployed on the right-hand side. This is... What was the mission that was first again? Unmasking. Um, unmasking. So, uh, I'm deployed on the right-hand side. I had had a lot of practice with unmasking because it was the mission I felt 
the unmasking and mind wipe was the missions I felt least comfortable with playing Toha. Even though in hindsight, unmasking, I really should have felt comfortable in because of Fairware, but that's just me. So what I did was I found in the two practice games of unmasking, I had that deploying the HVTs in a group together for Toha was the best play because you could just rush in stuff with Fairware and they just couldn't get in there and deal with it. So um, what on this table happened was I deployed all of my HVTs in and around the hover cart there. In the, hover cart in, in the center sort of thing? No, you, so you see just next to the boat, there's a hovercraft with bridges on it. It's oh, like yeah. a blue, yeah. blue. I basically deployed them in and around there and then another one right in front of them um, next to the pontoon bridge in front. And Mark pretty much deployed his in a straight line across the table spaced apart um so it was basically the two different schools of thought on how to um how to deploy, deploy hvts yeah yeah so first turn i won't go into the massive details of it but basically my um uh and this is where the uh, the, the tequila just becomes a massive um very rude word um so what i basically did was to kill if you're looking at that ship that's there with the the superstructure and everything so the tequila ran up onto there and just sat there and went, if you come and push the buttons, I'm just going to put out Endgame because he was within range of both of the, the furthest most button and the middle button. Oh, wow. Yep. So he was just sitting up there going, I'm going to put out Endgame on you and there's nothing you can do. Oh, just so you know, the water we just played as normal terrain. Pete did say we should play it as difficult, but we both agreed we'd forget that. So we just played it as normal. Okay, that's fair. Um, so... On the left-hand most side, I had my Toha, my diplomatic delegate, and she just ran up the table, pushed the button on the furthest most point, and then just sat down. There was a little nook there and just sat down prone behind there. So again, if you're coming up to that point to push a button, you've got to get through the diplomatic delegate first. Once you've done that, when you get to the button, you've then got to try and get through the end game of the tequila. So... That entire side of the table was basically a no-go zone for Paul Mark. <laughs> um, then, um, basically, um, this table, it doesn't look open, but for me personally, I felt it was too open. There was a lot of really long fire lanes. Um, and Mark was playing military orders. And military orders, as you would know, they're not, they're not, they're a 24-inch faction, I would say because a lot of their stuff is Spitfire range bands and a lot of their stuff is just Spitfires. Yep. So what ended up happening was that the crates that were in my deployment zone, I was able to deploy. So on the furthest most crate, the one on the top right-hand corner, see how there's a crate in front of it, the smaller crate? Yep. There's another crate directly behind it that was exactly the same. Now you could basically sit a model on those crates and you, it was tall enough that you could see over it and you would get cover. So I had a suk my sukiel there, and then on the opposite side of the map, I had my Nakul. So a combination of that meant that basically the whole game, the furthest that Mark got up the table, because um, I had a quite a good first turn um, alpha strike run with Jan on the bottom left-hand side of his deployment zone. I think I took out an Evo bot and some other pieces. Um, it meant that Mark couldn't get past see how where that red crane is on his side of the table yep see how that's there's the there's um blue crates that are sort of sit directly under the boom 
so just outside of his deployment zone. Yeah, it was basically, I think, 18 or 19 inches. And it was just basically able to lock it down. And I think that's effectively because of the table um, and Ferroware. And at the start of the game, I did say to Mark, look, I'm going to be really like upfront with you and explain everything as we go. Because um, <laughs> Toha, having him not played it before, Toha just do exactly what they did in that game. So I was explaining everything to him and I think it it almost put him off from being really aggressive down that side because afterwards I was trying to explain to him, he had Defersen and if not for my Sukiu and Nicole being able to see that, if he had have been able to get Defersen up there, Defersen really doesn't care much about Fairware because he's BTS9. Right. So... How do you have been able to deal with um, my Sukiul in the first turn with Defersen, which is what I think he should have done from the get-go? He would have probably made a much better run of getting into it and dealing with my HVTs. But what ended up happening was once I'd cleared out the left-hand side of the table, I realized that Defersen was the biggest threat. And so I ended up spending my whole... Um, what was left of in my second turn, my whole first pull moving then a call up to the other crate on that side of the table. So there was really no way that he could advance down that side. Um, and there was a little aqueduct that ran down next to the ship and he tried to advance down there and try and deal with my Nicole, but then a call just was rolling really well and, and, and stopped that pretty quickly. So, um, in the end, I think it was a 10 zero win for me. Um, I felt I felt quite bad for Mark because he he enjoyed the game from a learning perspective, but you know it was one of those unfun ones because he just didn't he hadn't played the faction before, and even though I was explaining him everything to him and explaining what Fairware does, and when he started to try and move up to the um, points, and he was at that crate, he basically had everything stacked up at the crate. I was saying, don't come around the crate unless you want to get Fairware because you'll be within my zone of control. So just letting you know that. Yeah. So we had a few instances where I, he would walk into my zone of control and I would just be like, take it back. Don't worry about it. You, you, you know, this is your first go with Toha. <laughs> There's no reason to, you know, be strict or anything about it. So, um, and I did that with all my opponents across the game because I think Fairway can sometimes be a pretty unfun play experience if you get in a person who just wants to abuse it. But, you know, if you're, just like hacking, if you're, you know, you, you, you're good with your opponents and say, look, my, this is my zone of control. Just don't walk into it because there is a hacker there. You don't get bad interactions. So, sure. um, yeah, it was, it was a hard game for Mark. He just couldn't advance out because I just was managed, managed to lock him down. So I managed to get all the HVTs um, and um, I didn't lose any of mine. So, um, nice. yes, game uh, two. Acquisition was round two. Acquisition. And that was on the um, the mic. I think it's the Minecraft Studio uh, card table. Uh, yep. Yep. And that was against John um, John Cook from Queensland. And it was a the buildings a are all, oh, sorry. The buildings are all kind of grey with like graffiti and stuff on them. Is that the one? No, that's that's Val's table. It's the one oh. with like a purplish mat and then the creamy coloured cardboard um plasticky stuff 
Oh yeah, I've got, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. Yeah, it's the fourth photo. Gotcha. Um, so uh, now this one it was against John Cook, and John was a really great opponent to play. We we're both playing Toha, um, and he admitted because I had actually posted my lists uh, about like I think three weeks before the event, and he admitted that he'd had a look at my lists and had taken bits from them. I'm like that's all right, mate. I pretty much did the same thing with Rob, so <laughs> nothing, nothing, no hard feelings at all. Um, now, from memory, I believe John won the role. No, I won it because I went first. Yeah, I won it. Um, and so he elected to take the right-hand side of the table and he was deployed. This is, again, another one where we're looking horizontally down the table. Um, and he was deployed on the right-hand side and I was deployed on the left-hand side. Um, so what ended up happening, the key, the key things in this game was is that I deployed my, um, if you're looking at the left-hand side of the table, I deployed my Nicole on that left-hand most building in the bottom corner. And then I deployed my Sukiyo. I don't know if we can see it. Um, there's like a, there was like another building that was next to, it was like a crate that was next to this building here, the one that's on the left-hand side. Mm-hmm. So there was my Sukiul and Nakul were both there. And he had, funnily enough, a Sukiul and Nakul looking at me as well um, on his side. So his Nakul was on in the top right-hand corner. You'll see there's that sort of billboard up there of his side, top yep. right-hand corner, the yep. triangular billboard. He had to put his Nakul up there. And then he put his Sukiul, if you're looking at the middle, there's that big building there. He put his Sukiul up there. So I actually made a pretty big balls up with my deployment here with Jan Star um, because I deployed Jan um, uh, up forward, but I deployed it within range of a diplomatic delegate that was behind the opposite side. Now you can't see it, but basically Jan was deployed. There's a, where the building is in the middle, there's like another triangular billboard. So Dan, Jan was deployed on that side and the diplomatic delegate was on the other side. So what I ended up having to do is in my first turn from memory, I think I tried to put down his Sukiul with Jan, which didn't work. Um, so I ended up having to use, I'm fairly certain from memory, it was Mirrorball or Eclipse from one of the McCools to close off line of fire um, so that my Nakul could just engage his Sukiul. And then... After that was done, I think my Sukiul then engaged his Nakul. Yep. I think that was how... Anyway, the end result was is that at the end of the, the, that first turn, both his Sukiul and his Nakul were down. What ended up then happening was is that I ran my diplomatic delegate up the bottom left-hand middle of the table. And if you're looking at his side again, on the right-hand side, there's like that big building where the Sukiul was deployed on. There's a lower level where there's like a, a, a balustrade, a billboard okay, lined we, up. We don't know, we're not looking at the picture, so just don't worry about describing no, it. Just people, tell us what happened. People might. So effectively what happened was is that he had a link team there of a tequil, which is why I don't like the tequil and the link, which I think is why if you're going to run a tequil, you run it by itself. But he had a tequil and a link. I believe it was a sakil or a sukiel, one of the two. And I think either a Kaltar or a Cool. I can't remember. I think it was a McCool. Um, and basically, the and the diplomatic delegate ran up and um, 
uh, isolated uh, the Tequil, and then he isolated the Sukiel as well. Um, so pretty pretty big first turn for me. I killed two of his long range pieces, and then I put him into not loss a lieutenant, but his LT, which was a strong point, went out. So what ended up happening was basically his Tequil sat there for the whole game isolated because he couldn't reset out of it. Um, basically, we had a to and fro um, throughout the game. And what ended up happening was is that the end result was that on the opposite side of the table, he had a link team of a Sakiel combi rifle light rocket launcher. Um, and then I believe it was either two McCools or a Kaltarana McCool. Now, inside that grey building, that was where the other objective was. I think it's the panoply in this mission. So I had managed to put a my, my tequil on the middle objective and I had a uh, another one on another model. I can't remember what it was on the bottom objective that's just, you can just see poking out. So his game plan, in order for him to get a draw, he had to shoot my tequil off of the middle objective, which he could do, and then get onto the panoply, and then he would get a draw. Um, the, the end of it was, was that he could didn't manage to shoot the tequil off, um, and I think he got onto the middle of... Um, sorry, he got onto the, the topmost objective. Um... So from memory, the score was like 8-2 or 8-3 or something. Maybe it was in 7-6. I can't remember, but it was it was a win for me. Um, not a 10-zip, not was, a ten zip, though. It was still contested. No, no, no. It was still contested, and it was an incredibly close game. Like, John played it, considering the first turn that I had against him, he played it quite well. Um, so, yeah, that was that was basically that game. Um, it, it, the main reason why I managed to pull that out because you know acquisition is quite a hard mission to go first and then that's what, do I, was, well in. That's what I was going to say yeah it's it's yeah. Of, of all of I know um like frontline as well but mm. for, uh, acquisition is definitely one in my opinion that you want to be yeah. going um I actually second. I actually can't remember if he won the role or not but I know I chose to go first sure. um I think he actually might have won because I think he chose to go on that side um, I don't. I don't remember myself choosing to go first. If that makes sense, choosing, like choosing winning. deployment zone. Yeah, yeah. So no, not choosing deployment yeah, yeah. zone as in choosing choosing yeah. as in winning the role and going first. But gotcha. it, it doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, he um, he played it really well. Um, I I think the main reason was I got that really significant gut punch in the first turn. I don't think had I have done that because the whole game he was basically looking at lines of fire to advance up the table with to not get shot by my, my Sukiel Nicole, um, which was basically what won me because he was spending so many more orders having to move up the table to do stuff because he was having to put down smoke. He was having to do all sorts of stuff. So that was that game. Um, game three. What was game three? It was firefight. Yes. So um, that table was the green table. Okay. So the one with, that was Ryan Kirby's table. So this table, if Ryan is listening, was very open. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I think, remember how I said in Firefight, I was, I was happy to go second, uh, but higher than a cool. Yep. This one, I just stood everything up basically. <laughs> Um, so what ended up happening was, was I'm fairly certain, um, 
Oops, sorry. I'm just going to go back. Um, uh, I'm fairly certain I was playing Jason Bartholomew and he was also playing um, uh, Sparacorp. So the other, the other Toha, the other kind yeah, of, the other I, I was, of Toha. If I had, have, if I had have beaten Sergei, I would have been the official king of the Toha, but I didn't get to play Sergei. But of my five games, three of them were against Toha. So <laughs> almost got there. Um, so yeah, so basically um, he won the role, elected to go first, which is definitely the right thing to do in firefight, um, especially when you're playing Toha. Um, and basically I decided to deploy on the left-hand side of the table. Again, we, this table was being played horizontally. So what ended up happening was that landing pad that's on the corner there, that's on the top right-hand corner, he deployed his, um, uh, uh, what are they called? The MSV2 uh, link team that I was talking about with counterintelligence, Targma link team up there. And when we were um, actually setting up to play on this table, um, we discussed whether we would deploy up there or not. And Jason had picked that side based off of that. And I was fine with it. I wasn't too fussed, but... Ryan had come over um, and said, oh, no, don't deploy up there. And we said, look, we've already made decisions. Models have gone down. Don't worry about it. Just leave it. In hindsight, considering what happened in the game, probably Jason shouldn't have gone up there because what I did was he put his... He, that was basically his longest range piece was a single or an MSV2 um, linked sniper. So everything else was 24 and that was it. So I counter-deployed with Janstar up there. Okay. So if he did anything with that link team, two of them were going to cop a template. Yeah. And I didn't at that point, because they have Hollow Mask, I didn't know which one was the sniper, but I was fairly certain I knew which one it was based off of his deployment. Um, and then I, it, it proved right based off of what he did with his arrows in, in response to that. The rest of my army was basically deployed down in the left-hand corner here. So I had a link team and a couple of models deployed against the square building that was there. I had, um, I think that was one of the K1 link team. I had another K1 link team deployed in the Ford um, uh, watchtower that's there, the rightmost one. And then I had a the Sukiel K1 sniper deployed in the bottom of the, um, the, the watchtower that's there on the left-hand side. And then I had mine to cool directly above it, looking at his, um, his link team. So if any of them moved, they just copped a double arrow. So that was pretty brutal. Um, so basically, um, what ended up happening was that, Outside of line of fire, he had his um, Targma link team. First orders of the game. He tried to move them. I laid down a shotgun template. He dodged, revealing which one it was. Next order, same thing. Laid down the template. He fails to dodge. The Targma goes down and he doesn't have any... I did, don't think he had any medics up there. So that was a, that was a massive win for me because it meant that if he was going to advance up the table at all, it was bare minimum fighting my snipers on neg three, if not neg six because of mimetism range and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So um, the game to basically divulged into 
um, like a backwards and forwards. Um, highlight was was at the end in in because in this game there was panoplies. Um, the tar uh, the Mitre Keel walked up to one of the panoplies and picked up. I think it was it's six four movement. The old bike. Um, oh yeah, and like eight. It's eight four or something. Eight, yeah, something like that. Something crazy, crazy fun. Stupid, so stupid speed. Yeah. So what ended up happening was is that in my last turn, he had at that point in time he'd moved up his army basically halfway up the board behind that square large um, building in the center, and so my my um my tequila basically just ran down the table end gaming everything. So. <laughs> It was pretty brutal because I just killed his specialists. Um, so I got more points for that. And then I I, um, I killed a few other points. So um, it got quite close there because I, I in my th second turn, I kind of made a misplay by moving a Sookie or Link team all the yep. way down the table. Sorry, I've just got to pause um, for a second, Julian. Yeah. Okay, sorry, we're back. Uh, continue. Yeah, so basically I, I in my second turn, I had a, um, a miscalculation where I moved that Sukiul link team up the table to try and get more weapons out of the panoply, but also try and he had a, a, a draw link team um, deployed against that um, middle building, and so I'm like, great, I can get a line on them and I can just pick them off one by one. But Jason had some phenomenal armor rolls; I just couldn't put them down. So um, they were all sort of standing there in like ripe um, shooting position for him. Um, but fortunately he couldn't actually get to them without going through my snipers first. So, um, yeah, I got very lucky there. Um, moving on to the next game, which was round four, wasn't it? Yeah. Round uh, four. So day two, um, we've, we've, we've gone out for Mexican food on, uh, on Saturday night. You didn't come. Yep. I, no, I went for Mexican oh, food. I had my dinner, I had a drink and I left. So it was, a, was awesome. it was a really, really fun night. We got the, yeah. Almost everyone came, right? I'd probably say eighty percent of the um of the players came along to dinner. Um, this cute little Mexican restaurant just around the corner from the venue. Um, they were so happy to have us, and we got the whole back section, like the whole outdoor like um uh, section to ourselves. Uh, like a great big long table, or a couple of great big long tables. So um, just really nice to mingle with all the different players from that had come and travelled to 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 attend because of the top of of the 50 players we had about 20 who had actually traveled from interstate which is which is amazing so it was really great to um to catch up with everyone on the yeah. on the saturday night i had a few um had a few drinks um a few peanut pina coladas which are absolutely delicious um i got a taco share plate all for myself um so i had, <laughs> had a really great time um, but yeah, anyway, um, I don't think the pina, pina coladas were particularly strong because I had a good few and was absolutely fine the next day. Um, but we moved into round four, uh, which was mind wipe. Yes. So I, um, I played Jacob in mind wipe. Um, so I won the role for that one and snap chose to go first. Um, and then he picked deployment. So, um, again, looking at that table, um, it's the gray table that's on there that I sent you. Um, so Val's, I definitely Val's think table. Jacob, pardon? Yeah, Val's table. Um, Jacob definitely lost this at deployment. He just picked the wrong side. 
that was that was fundamentally what did him in. Um, he picked the right hand side. Now the right hand side arguably has one much better sniper's nest, but defensively and then moving out of that sniper's nest, it's really really hard to do. So I was able to deploy on the left hand side. I had two snipers nests that didn't cover as much, but covered what I needed. And from where I knew he was going to put stuff that I could engage with. Um, and basically the first turn, Jan star, he had a Sukiul, um, HMG sort of standing up on a, on an ARO line that was not bad for it. Um, Jan just stood up. He Sukiul had a mate. Um, and oh, sorry, I had, sorry. Um, Jacob was playing Toha as well. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So you're going another Toha player. Um, so yeah, he's Sukiyo had a mate on it. So did Jan. Um, I shot just, I just laid down two light shotgun templates on him. Um, I, he shot in return with pistols, I think, and missed, or I, I think he missed completely because I think I still had a mate. Anyway, besides the point, he actually failed a save. And so I then did it again and the Sukiyo went down. So that was a big win for me because Sukio HMGs can be quite nasty. Um, and then not much else happened that first turn. Um, I basically went up and pushed buttons and um, that was it. Um, set up my Tequil and my diplomatic delegate again to deny him pushing buttons without going through nasty stuff. Um, in his turn, I think he got it in his head that he had to kill Janstar. Um, so he moved up the table with his link team with the Tequil and some other stuff in there. And, and he eventually put Janstar down, um, but it took him a lot of effort to do it. Um, and for, and, for with a, in a mission like Mindwipe, where you don't want to necessarily be yeah. spending orders, killing things unnecessarily when you've got no. so much so much else to do with pushing yep. buttons, and and then it takes a lot of orders to to even get to the to the consoles yeah. to start to hurt them. Um, yeah, then then that can have a big impact on the game. Yeah, and so then in my turn, this is this is was coming back to where his side just wasn't as good. He spent so much time trying to kill Jan that he didn't have anywhere to pull that link team back to safely. And so my Liberto um, basically ran up, killed the entire link team. And then... Sorry, I've just got to go again. Just, just a second. So, yeah. Okay, um, yep, we're back again. Yep. So, yeah, um, basically, um, uh, yeah, my turn to the Liberto link, well, the Liberto um, group. Liberto basically just spent all his orders killing a Chaxa and that entire link team and I think something else, I can't remember now. Um, and then I ran up, don't know if I destroyed any consoles in this turn. I can't remember, but I did. I basically did that and other things. Um, turn two, he still couldn't get forwards to push the button. Um, or if he did, he did it in his last order. Um, and then in the last turn, I managed to run up and destroy I must have destroyed one in my second turn, destroy a second console. So I destroyed two consoles at the end of the game. Um, and in his last turn, he had, um, I can't remember the name of it, the killer hacker device that Toha gets. Um, in my opinion, I don't really like it, but I could see why Jacob took it for the mission. Um, but I think 
it's just it's it's so average that uh, Hetail, the killer hacker, that you open yourself up to getting annihilated by other factions in this mission that have amazing hackers. Right. So he managed to run um, her up. He pushed the button, and then with his sort of four remaining orders, he just realized he couldn't push. He couldn't destroy anything because I had too much standing up on ARO. So we called the game there. Um, I believe it was a 10-1 or 10-0 to me. Um, so yeah, that was uh, that was the end of that game. Um, I honestly think Jacob, he, he played well, but the the deployment decision cost him so much. Um, I, I was, if I was going to pick sides, I was going to pick the side he put me on anyway. So um when he chose that side i was rather rather happy um <laughs> yeah so um um game five um dennis you played dennis yeah that was, was army really did dennis good. take um he was taking alef and um it was a ripper of a game so um, so you finally got to play an army that wasn't wasn't Toha. i know i know the benefit of playing armies that are Toha though is you don't have to explain Fairware to them. But Dennis, fortunately, um, he knows all about the Fairwares, so he didn't need much explaining at all, um, apart from just being reminded not to walk into zone of control and stuff like that. So um again, this table's looking horizontally. Um, all of them are actually now that I look about look at it. Um so he was running a Marut, which was one of the things I worried about. Not as much an avatar, but I really did worry about. Um, and I really, I really agonized at deployment. And I, I'm i normally really quick with deployment, but I reckon I took like a full 15 minutes to do this yeah, because right. I was really, I agonized. So I had two thought schools, uh, schools of thought. I put out AROs and try and stop the Marut, or I just trust in my ablative defense yeah. and put everything on the second floor. You wanted to go second in far in front. Of yeah. You. Did you win yeah. the role and get it and choose deployment? I don't remember who won it, but Dennis went first. Right. So I, I'm now that I think about it, I'm fairly certain I won the role because I elected to go on the right hand side of this table because I knew I could get everything on that second, the two buildings that are second level. And the only way, because he couldn't get up to there with a Marut unless he climbed because there was nothing where his base could fit more than half. Um, and um, the only way he was going to get there with anything else was through walkways, which I blocked off with lots of mines, um, with uh, the um, the Razale's peripheral bot. Um, so in his first turn, I think from memory, he, he managed to do all these, like, I think he managed to do three classifieds so he went really hard at his classifieds, but all he really managed to kill was um, my diplomatic delegate. Now, this list was the one I took, that special frontline list that had the Razael in it. Um, his list was basically a Marut, Proxies, Nauf. Um, so he was running the standard, the the four Observer Proxy, um, the four Deployment um, Boarding Shotgun Hacker, and then I think he was running the engineer. Um, and then he had um, things like a, a, a beast hunter, um, other stuff as well. So a fairly sort of standard, not standard, but a, you know what you come to expect from a Marut Toha build. Yep. Um, and how did how did you weather how did you weather the uh, the alpha strike? 
Uh, all I lost was the diplomatic delegate because it was the only model I could really not get up on the second level. <laughs> and, and I didn't care too much about it because it's five points. So um, credit where credit's due. Dennis didn't bite in my, into my deployment at all. He looked at it and went, nah, fuck that. I ain't dealing with that. I'm just going to do my classifieds. I'm going to get the points I can get. And I'll just kill his delegate because it's on the way. Yeah. Um, he yeah. played that so well. That's, um, that's, that's probably was... a smart when that's yeah. a really smart move, particularly for for a mission that's got so many classified objectives. There's so many points held up in those classifieds. Um, if you're if your opponent like you did, Julian, if you've decided to castle that hard yeah. and completely null deploy almost, yeah. um, then then why not? You've got yeah. if you've got and... free reign of the board, then walk around and yeah. and do what you can. And the other thing that I think was weighing on his mind is he knew about the Eclipse shenanigans. So he was like, well, even if I get to engage them, if I can find a way, I might only get it once because, and even if I get it once, I'm lucky because he's just going to put out Eclipse. Yep. Um, so he, he was smart with the way he played it. Um, so um, the other key thing I forgot to mention was that um, I chose to do Intelcom because my classifieds were awful. Um, and he didn't. So that came back massively in the last turn. Um, cause without it, I would not have won. It would have been a draw. Wow. So, yeah. So, um, effectively what happened was, is that he did all that. He did three classifieds. He pushed his Marut up and then he decided he was going to pull his Marut back. Now, Dennis agonized, really agonized over whether to leave the Marut out and looking on AROs or whether to completely conceal it. And I don't blame him because he knew exactly what I was going to try and pull off if he didn't. Um, so he left his Marauder out on ARO. And at that point in time, my was my first turn and I really agonized over it because my school of thought is always kill the model supporting the tag. Don't worry about the tag. But... I, he deployed it in a position where my Sukiyo K1 sniper just had to stand up and shoot. So I thought, if I can kill the Marut, um, it's 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 not going to be an issue with points later on in the game. Sure. And so I just decided, all right, first turn is just going to be Operation Kill Marut. And he put it in a position where the Marut couldn't guts, unfortunately, out of line uh, of fire. Right. So that's the, that's the thing. If you're standing your tag up in ARO, you really want to put it in a position where when you fail guts, you, you, yeah. can, you can get in, you can fail guts because yeah. otherwise he's just going to stay there and keep copping hits. Um, I can understand um, why he did the ARO's from there because at the end of the day, he just had to get lucky with one or two mm -hmm. to put me down. And then I'm using the Nicole and the Nicole is not, in the same league as a Sukiyo killing armor. So I I, I, it, I got pretty lucky there. He hit with one of them. It was about five rolls from memory, five sets of rolls. And he hit with one of them, but I passed two of my saves. So fortunately against the Marut, I don't get mimetism anyway. So I lost mimetism when I degraded. So it wasn't the end of the world. Yep. And then I managed to put it down, but I was all out of orders in that pool. I had nothing left. So I used all the orders in that pool to kill it. So I then was like, I've got to use the Nicole's orders to put it down to dead because the engineer was right next to it. Right. So the Nicole then 
I think it was another four orders unopposed to kill it. So it was nine orders in the end to kill the Marut, which considering when you think about the number of orders a Marut brings to the table, it's what, three a turn? I think that was a pretty good exchange. Um, and then not have to worry about its points later on in the game in a zone. So um, I was quite happy with that result. Um, and then the game was really close despite that. He made really good use of his proxies. Um, he, his Loberto went on a really good run through the middle of the board. Um, um, Nauf was causing me a bit of grief because I think at one point in time, he just had really good line of fire to um, everywhere. And problem is, is when you suck you only goes down to one wound and you're in a cool, um, isn't that great at dealing. It's all right at dealing with now, but it's not amazing. Um, I sort of worried about that. Um, but I, in the end I managed, I think I just rolled for it and put his, his, um, his now down with my suck Um So yeah, that was, it was a really tight game. Um, in the end, he had done three classifieds. I had done two. So I did one of my classifieds and I did secure that HVT. So it was going to come down to if I could outscore um, outscore him in all three zones. That was the way we calculated it for some reason. So in the end, I outscored him in the middle and the my own zone. And so I had to try and outscore him in his own zone. If I didn't, he would have got me. So I played my counterintelligence card on that zone because I had models in there yep. and I ended up getting more than him. Oh, so wow. by like five points or something crazy like that. Yep. See, so, counterintelligence is something that I just always ignore. Oh, I, don't even, I don't even think about it yeah. ever. Yeah. Intelcom, sorry. Oh, Intel, yeah. that's what I meant. Sorry, Intelcom. Yeah, yeah. I, I was saying counterintelligence is my fault. Um, yeah, so, cause we were doing points count back and he had like 103 Yep. and then I did all mine back and I'm like, oh, I have, um, for my number's sake, I said, I had like 96 or something like that. And he's like, oh, I win. I'm like, oh no, I've got, um, Intel common. He was, was like, ah, so it was, um, <laughs> it was, uh, it was good. So, um, in the end I managed to, um, to, to get that one. So, um, Dennis played. For a guy that lost his Marut in the first turn, he played amazingly well. And it was a really, really good game. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, that's great. So, yeah, he, um, yeah, he, he, despite his bad losses, he held on really well. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you had a pretty good time. Yeah. Um, I had a really good time as a, as a, as a TO, um, it was my first experience at TO, and I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk about that for a little bit because um, that was that was that was new for me, and it was it was interesting because I really kind of didn't know what to expect. Um, the other thing as well, so for a fifty-person tournament, there was only two of us over the mm. two days, me and Pete. Pete has done an amazing job in basically automating a lot of 
the grunt work that gets in that comes along with uh with organizing a tournament or running a tournament on the day in that we've he's got these qr codes that you scan the qr code to submit your scores so we don't have to be manually getting pieces of paper off people and, and entering the data ourselves so it all comes up in your spreadsheet and then it's just a matter of of making sure there's there's no double ups or people getting rematched against each other, which, which did happen a few times. He is going to try it. That's the next evolution of this uh, spreadsheet is to, uh, for it to automatically uh, eliminate double, 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 up, double up on pairings. Um, probably too much effort to do the same thing for table numbers because it's really is quite easy that if you get the same table again, you just swap with the people next to you, right? Um, that's That's easy enough to do but you can't really swap opponents around um, for, for scoring purposes. Um, the My biggest, I guess my biggest issue over the whole weekend was the fact that because of how the numbers worked and pe uh, some people couldn't make all both days and that sort of thing, I ended up having to play four out of the five rounds. <laughs> so um, yeah. I still had four games myself, which was, which was great. And it was fun to be able to play games um, and not necessarily have to, worry about what my results were going to be in saying that I still of my four games I think I still won three of them I wasn't trying to it just happened that um that I managed to get some some pretty pretty stellar results um we'll have to give you nerf next time mate yeah it's going to become the TO faction from now on yeah that's fair um and so I get I think that the fact that that I was also having to play games meant meant that for me, I, I wasn't able to focus on um, being on the floor as much as I would have liked. Um, so I think that that's something that I, I definitely want to look at more. I, and not that not that there's any way around it, right? Because those four players that I played games against, that meant that each one of those people got to play five games over the weekend mm -hmm. rather than uh, four people only getting four games. And it's and that's when it, when it came to the final round, I was playing um, uh, Russell, who was the person who initially introed me to Infinity. And he, he basically said before we played the game look, look, that he would be happy to take um, to take the buy if it makes my life easier. And I, I told him, no, I don't want to do that because he traveled all the way from Mildura. I didn't want to have him only play four games. I wanted I wanted to give him the fifth game. Um that game, that game, to be honest, was a bit of a farce because um, my I could I managed to basically not fail any armor saves and um, just uh, the, it it did come down to the last orders, but then he was advancing his um, his Azura in front of one of my Zanch one of my line troops, and um, I got two. He walked in front of the line troop, and I shot at it and rolled a crit. Um, he did another order again and I shot at it and rolled another crit. So um, two crits in a row in ARO killed his Azura, which is, which I'll never see again. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a lot more stressful than I had anticipated mm. in terms of not necessarily the organizing things, but with, with this many, that many players in one place, you'll always get people who, um, uh, taking longer with their with their turns and, and not necessarily like purposefully slow playing to make the games go to time, but playing slowly, right? Um, 
and having to having to deal with that side of it. I guess dealing with the people side is not something that I'd really prepared myself for. So I think that's something that I could improve on um, for next time. But um, in the end, um, so if, even if if a few people, um, maybe if one or two people didn't have the the, the greatest experience at at the event, um, that still means that of fifty people. 95% of the people had an amazing time, right? Um, which I think is something that we can be proud of, that we were able to produce an event where um, that that went off relatively without a hitch. Um, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased with, with how it went. Mm. Um, I do want to start getting a bit more involved in, in running events um, simply because I... I don't know. I, I do. I really enjoy the competitive side, but and if we can, if I'm able to run events and also plan them, then then that might be an option for me. But um, I don't. I don't necessarily want to, because um, I guess there is a bit of a stigma attached with that as well. You don't want to have the tos competing because um, people can look at that in, with a. I, I think it's. I think it's a no no. Like that's just my opinion because you know I've run a lot of events and yeah. I never. I I've never I've never seen a positive thing happen from when a TO wins an event. It's just not. So worth is it, it? But that's the only reason that, that you wouldn't want to uh, compete in an event you're running because you don't want to then be seen to win it. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah, the problem the problem that you get is you get. Um, I won't name it, but there's a there's a certain there's a certain event out there where a certain person. Um, not, 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 not infinity and other system where they just, they would win a lot of their own events and it just caused a lot of problems. Um, so whenever I was running events, I would always Gumby and I'd always just Gumby with Murph or whatever I was trying as my new faction just to give people a game. Um, so I think you're right that there's, there's, there's a big stigmatism with, uh, winning an event that you've put together. Because no matter how how you put it and how you and, and you don't do it, but people will turn around and go, "Well, you knew what the I knew what the pre- missions was." Everyone knows what the fucking missions yeah, are. Yeah, exactly. was like, well, but he decided what the missions are, yeah, so he, he missions picked are, missions yeah. that were gonna. I honestly, I think that's bullshit. Um, yeah, I don't, the problem is you I don't can't buy that at all. Stop, you can't stop that perception yeah. from people. So honestly, like just for my own mental health and like running events, I just didn't want to have to, to have those uncomfortable conversations with people because it's just, I'd rather enjoy, get enjoyment from running the event and then not have like the overshadow come through of, oh, I won the event. And then people were like, oh, but he did this, or there was a suspect call in a rules decision and it, it just gets yeah. really messy. I think it's, so, it's the sort of thing where, you, I mean, you can't yeah. be making calls on your own game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you'd need someone else to, if, if that's the situation, yeah. you'd need someone else to weigh in on it. Um, so like, for example, like shooting similar where you'll have a match director and a match director can shoot all the stages, but most of the time, I, I certainly, I haven't really seen a, a match director actually competing in the match because one, they've got a lot to do. So, and it's the same with running a tournament. They've got a lot to do. So you don't want to be playing an event and then have to go over to the TO and be like, or in the, in the stage of a match and be like, hey, I need help with this. And then be like, I'm playing my game, leave me alone. Like, you don't want to have that. Even though it doesn't, they, people have that perception. Um, and the other thing as well is that, you know, 
rules calls could there have been benefits with rules calls um you know as i said people no matter how hard you try with mission selection and all that kind of stuff they'll they'll you know say that you knew the missions and you select them based off of your faction um so yeah i just i just don't yeah, think it's I, worth- I mean these are all these are all issues that are only going to arise if me as the person running the event also wins it um bear in mind i've been playing infinity five years i've never actually won an event um, yeah it, so... it only it only happened like it only has to happen once and then people were like oh so i just don't, i just personally i just don't think it's worth it it's it's mm. you know it's up to you if you want to do it but yeah i just, just don't think it's worth it yeah, yeah but i yeah. mean i mean i I, I played four rounds out of five at burn city brawl anyway so um at the end of the day um i i i think actually in saying that having had to play that many games as well as like i kind of mentioned before having had to play that many games as well as having to do everything with running the show i would have much much preferred if i didn't have to play those games yeah Um, Yeah, there's too much too much going on especially in a larger um larger event so yeah yeah all right well any final thoughts then on um oh no no just um on the on on the uh on the it was good to good to play three guys uh because what i played oh mark as well but i've i've I've, i haven't played mark before but i've met and had a lot of chats with mark more recently Uh, but it was really good to play jason i haven't i haven't played jason before but jason and i've talked and met a lot um from newcastle he's a great guy i had a great game against him um he, he loves to have a laugh so that was really good and then um dennis's game like it was so good because just the intensity of it but yep. also you know like that's the good thing about infinity is is that play a contract between you two where you, you're both doing things to help each other and not make it a negative experience unlike yep. other games yeah we won't mention when, when you um, when you if you win in a game of affinity you want to have one against your opponent's best yeah, and also make certain they've had a good game, which Dennis, I, I think certainly he did. Um, so, um, and then, so we had Mark, Jason, um, who was the other person? Oh, John, John. <laughs> I love John. John and my game it was hilarious. It was a good, fun game. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, if John's ever down this way again, I'd love to have a game with him again. Because yeah, we, um, we had a lot of banter um, afterwards because... For some reason, I just kept on not seeing where he was. And John is about six foot ten, so he's impossible <laughs> to miss. But I just kept on missing him, and so I'd be like, "Dennis, where's John? I want to talk to him about something." He'd be like, "He's just there. He's right there." So I just had this banter the whole time about me wanting to talk with him, and I couldn't find him, and he was right next to me, like a fucking moron. So yeah, no, nah, all interstate playing so many interstate blokes, four out of five was awesome for oh, the whole event. So yeah, yeah, great time. No, that's awesome. Cool. Well, I think we might wrap it up there. Um, yeah. Julian, thank you so much for coming along and um, spending your time to have a chat this evening. I've really enjoyed it. I think there's some uh, really great takeaways in in how you've built those lists and, yeah. and, and that sort of thing. Julian, when he's not playing his silly act, when he's actually being serious for something. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing, right? People are gonna people are gonna tune into this, and you haven't you haven't dropped a single swear the whole time. It's, it's I did it. I did it at the end there, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> Um, big shout out as well to all of our patrons who joined us, uh, for this live recording as well. Uh, thanks guys. If you want to sign up for the Patreon it is only $3 per, 
per month. Uh, you can find us at patreon.com slash loss of lieutenant. Gives you access to the special Discord channel, uh, as well as the live shows, as well as a whole bunch of other stuff as well. So we're starting to get a bit of feedback and input from our Patreons as well in terms of what future content is looking like. So if you want to have uh, your say and be heard, then um, it'll only cost you three dollars a month, um, which is not very much. So uh, so jump on board. But um, uh, to sign off, my name's been Nick. Julian. And uh, you've been listening to Loss of Lieutenant. Awesome.